0: Hey guys how are you doing
1: yeah good jack thank you <laughs> <laughs> you're, one of, you're one of the few people who have asked me this week <laughs> uh
0: yeah it's been uh just one of those fucking weeks in quarantine but um
1: i i went to i went out and I, I i saw a few friends outside for the first time today which was nice that's good so. it's, yeah it's you like know, even
0: it's... just going for like walks um like, just i saw your group, um that,
1: like i i i, I, I we were just talking about, before we started this, the uh, the prospect of a drive-in cinema. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, wouldn't you just love... I'd love if, it
2: just something like, to do, like, anything yeah. to do, you know? Yeah,
1: something to do. Something, something, something exactly, to pay for. Yeah, it. Just like... <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> just take my just money.
2: Let me do, do it. sitting in my bank account. Just
0: be inside, you know? yeah. yeah I'm <laughs> yeah. sick of fucking spending money yeah. on Amazon. Shit like like.
2: I feel like, as well as like general going out activities, it's just gonna be so overcrowded now that it, it's not even gonna be fun to do. That's a
0: good point. Well, like when you go on a cycle, yeah. it's like the fucking Tour de France. Like. It is. It is. Like driving now is literally like <laughs> and, and
2: everyone around you is risking their life <laughs> because, like, you're just chilling doing your own thing driving, and everyone around you is like one false move away from just being brown bread because no one knows how to cycle and there's, and there's. there's
1: exactly there is no way those people cycled before this pandemic they were you know what I mean so this is just a new endeavour that is just getting along with people
2: yeah I feel like there's such a difference between cycling and like being able to cycle on the road like everyone knows how to ride a bike but like I, have, I had like a family <laughs> yeah. of six Trying to indicate in front of me On a huge dual carriageway Like cross <laughs> section today and, I was, and they were in front of my car And I was like I hate to tell you a family of six But if you're not gone out of my way As soon as those lights turn green You're all dead <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: But like I, I hate the way like people decide to, you know, obviously not risk getting the coronavirus by, you know, stepping away from somebody when they're when they're walking by them on the path. But that means they just like to step out on the middle of the road where there's still cars yeah. like yeah, driving like, at full okay, speed. Yeah. <laughs>
0: like you will die if you get hit by a car. You will <laughs> die either way. I mean there's like, just because there's a pandemic doesn't mean that you like the road. Everything else just is just in invincible. Traffic. Like yeah. I love that whole thing
2: that like, Leo Branker came out and was like <laughs> cancer hasn't been diagnosed in the last two months months people just people just feel like they're invincible yeah long like as they don't have corona just
1: need to go to please go to the hospital like stop going <laughs> to the hospital like um but funny actually i was gonna ask you about this i didn't mention it earlier but did you guys see the trailer for that show um so that the movie that's getting a digital release only um the king of staten island with i did um, see pete davidson pete davidson bill burr uh i think marissa to yeah it looks cool it looks May. Sweet. yeah i thought it, i thought it looked okay yeah kind of like
0: decent and it it's looks ju- like the male version of ladybird but you're like 30 instead of like yeah 90.
1: yeah 100 percent. yeah i get that and like you know it's 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 judd apatow so you kind of know what you're getting but uh they're releasing that just straight to digital that's going straight going to be a, a straight release on streaming so whatever it is Do you have to pay Euro. for it yeah, you have to pay for it. Yeah, it's going to be like a, a whatever it is. A, 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 I don't want to call it a rental because like it is a, technically a rental. Yeah, but it's like just
0: like a screening or whatever. Full whack.
1: Exactly. You're paying the full whack for it. Uh So I'll be interested to see how that does. Yeah, because I think it looks okay. I, I mean i think it looks decent i hope it
0: doesn't do too well because that means cinemas are never coming back <laughs> yeah
1: yeah it sets a, it's, a, it's true i it want it to precedent. be well
0: enough so they're like yes we can continue to make movies in the future but this will not be the yeah. future of cinema because if the future of cinema yeah. is in your home it's just gonna lose a lot of that charm i really like the uh, pete david bill will. bear is amazing he's like my
2: favorite comedian i'd say it's really because gonna bill be like incredible such...
1: He's absolutely incredible. I
2: feel like it's just going to be such brash humor throughout that entire film, but like mixed with Judd Apatow. So
1: I think it's going to be really dark. Yeah. Well, you see, it's about from obviously from the trailer, it's about Pete Davidson's. You know, he's a bit of a deadbeat, and his uh, dad is a firefighter who died. Yeah, that 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 happened. Obviously, obviously happened happened to Pete Davidson in real life. So there's there is which is part of a huge part of his um his stand-up so and it's my
2: favorite part of his stand-up oh though. it's amazing it's, 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 it's some of the funniest
1: of comedy ever it's it's super dark but it's it's really good like his it's, dad died was...
2: in 9 didn't he he was one of the 9/11, firefighters 9/11, yeah. during 9-11 and Pete Davidson finding, just goes yeah. to town on his dad dying in 9-11. <laughs> and it's yeah, like, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. He, like, gives How have you a built pass? an act around this? <laughs> yeah, he does give himself a It's
0: just a like, pass. my dad died in 9-11, so therefore I can say all these horrible things. <laughs> the horrible <laughs>
2: just, thing, yep. Fair enough. I mean, like, if you, if you don't laugh, you cry. So I suppose that's... Yeah, exactly, the deal, yeah,
1: it? exactly. But that, I hope, I hope... Um, I hope the king of uh, king of Staten Island kind of does that where it like goes into that yeah. a bit more cuz I think that would actually be good to watch that obviously like I don't know how funny it looks is my problem I didn't think... That's I, I agree I agree yeah I, 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 I think it, the jokes could be more kind of, of shit like the dramatic in the trailer.
0: side of uh, apartheid yeah like well we we, like...
1: we
2: spoke about how like seth Rogen and Duda apatow's films like a lot of the funny bits are in the trailer but then you come across the odd film that like there's no funny bits in the trailer and then you yeah, go see it and I it's know. actually really and funny, it's actually so, very funny
0: yeah, yeah. which so is what i hope like i, I can guarantee like, one yeah, exactly. thing that will fall off in the third act because the rest of apatow's movies do
1: they yeah well like I mean, funny, funny I mean, people the third act seen of that. funny
0: people is fucking crap
1: it's terrible it's going so well
2: I feel like it's gonna be a lot down to like whether or not Davidson could actually act because he's definitely funny. So I mean, whether I mean, was, that, not was that he was, he, in, like was he not
1: in was he not in mid nineties?
2: I don't know. I don't think so. No, he, no. I he was in mid nineties. He wasn't. He wasn't. Was he in mid nineties? As who?
1: I don't know. Fuck shit. I, I haven't, did, I... <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> No, oh no, no he, he wasn't. No. He wasn't. No, he wasn't.
2: Yeah, I don't know. This this might be his. Favorite. Like, I know uh, Bill bear was in The Mandalorian for an episode. No,
1: it's, but... it's 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 yeah. No, it's weird. He's getting cast in like like he's already cast in the Suicide Squad, which is um I mean which was made obviously because he looks like a kind of a su- <laughs> a, a <laughs> member look, of the Suicide Squad. A member of the Suicide Squad. Just Pete Davidson should be in the Suicide Squad because he just kind of looks like a crackhead. Yeah, but. Uh, I mean, he's in SNL and there's acting in that. I know it's comedy yeah. acting. like So you have to have a, some degree of it. So I don't know. I, I think it looks it looked interesting. So I don't know if I'd pay the 20 euro to watch it on a streaming though.
0: No, definitely wouldn't. Yeah, I'll if it was that, like you know. the price of a movie ticket, I probably would. Just to kind of get some if new it was movies a t- out. I think I'll probably buy this. I like the look of the trailer. I sent it to you to use. So I think I probably will. I'm also interested to see what um, Pete does. Pete loves like... well. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Like, talk, uh, wait, no, Sorry. what you're gonna, Because I was just going to transition
2: off of the back of Suicide Squad
0: uh, the next I, thing we're talking I was just saying that uh, Pete Davidson looks like he fucking mill smokes Like, do you ever see that meme of Ben Affleck smoking through, like, depression? Yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah That's like Pete
2: Davidson all the time Yeah, yeah, yeah So, obviously the main piece of news that was announced this week uh, Since our last podcast, anyway Is they are releasing the Schneider cut of Justice League so, what do you boys think about it? Obviously Josh Whedon was like heavily involved in the post-production of that film, so a lot was changed and a lot was like reshot. But what do you think of seeing a Zack Snyder the Zack Snyder take on it?
0: Look, I oh, I want God. to see how much footage that they have because there's so many different plot lines in that original cut of the movie. Like you know when Batman's like in the fucking flying apocalypse or whatever. And, like, he's, like, being attacked by, like, these flying people or whatever. And he's having these these flashbacks or whatever. And I want to know more about what the fuck that was about rather than, like, Martha and shit. Like, it's just, like, I want to know how many stuff, how many hours of footage is on the cutting room floor before I, like, even bother with this.
2: Well, here's the thing is I saw a post today and I think it was posted by literally Ben Affleck or something. It, It was something along those lines and it was a picture of Josh Whedon's cut, and it was Batman, and then it was a picture of Zack Snyder's cut, and it was Batman with an extra shadow on his face. <laughs> and then, like, the same thing was, like, a Josh Whedon's cut, and it was The Flash, and in, The Flash was smiling, and then Zack yeah. Snyder's cut, yeah. he wasn't smiling. So I well, don't know what they're expecting from this. Well, I change. think
1: well, is, the thing is, as well, is, like, what's so funny about dc is they backtracked on there they went for the dark like D- Zack yeah. snyder's gonna li- lead us through it and then nobody liked that but it did have it did have a it clearly has a fan base so there's those kind of weird people out there who like the snyder stuff and then they kind of told them to get fucked with wonder woman and uh and obviously the joss whedon version of it but what was interesting about when joss whedon took over was uh They had all these stipulations for him because everyone hated Batman v Superman, and they were like, "Okay, so the film has to be no longer than two hours long." Because remember how much how long fucking Batman v Superman was, and that was just an awful, awful mess. And they, you know, they clearly said to him, you know, add more color, you know, add a bit more humor, things like that. Yeah, I, I just, and
2: I don't understand where where people think like that, Josh Whedon in any way, impacted this it, to its detriment when, like, you look at Batman v Superman, which was primarily Schneider, and how awful that film was. How terrible
1: it was, and how much of a mess it was. how
2: Exactly, how much of a mess it was. Like, I mean, are, mu- like, exactly, we, but Me and you
1: obviously hated Tyrion, but I yeah. remember even just saying, you know, people were saying, you know, giving out about it as a comic book movie or a superhero movie, but as a movie, it, it was, it was just... It was awful. Like, I mean, there was no scenes. It was just, it was, it was just constant. It was just too giant green screen. I mean, it opened up it was, Batman it, on,
0: like, the roof. And he, like, it, it's like flying by Oh, yeah. So oh, it's like, where the but fuck? you
1: see, that, that was, that stuff was, they clearly just added that stuff when Joss Whedon took over because he clearly chopped the plot down, yeah. as they said to him. I'd say they, they took the opportunity when Joss took over to be, like, you know oh well look we'll just make it two hours long because i'd say they couldn't say that stuff to Zack snyder at the time because he was probably a bit like pushing back on it because and you know obviously i hated the snyder films but at least Zack snyder had like a vision and he he wanted to go with it even though it was well fucking terrible did you hate like, man was, of steel i i, I like I, I i i i, I I didn't, I, think I didn't, like, don't time, get me wrong,
2: I'm not, like, saying, I wouldn't compare it to any Marvel film, even, like, the lowliest of Marvel films, but I thought it was, I, 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 I thought it was one of the better look, Supermans, Supermans a show, boring like, fucking character. he's, he's a boring character, he is. you know, he's so I gave him a complete boring. break on that, what,
1: what, I guess I think, they wrote
0: th- themselves into, like, a, like a, into a box with that, because the only way you can fucking fight yeah. Superman is with Kryptonite, and then he just becomes a normal guy who's, like, goes to the gym twice a day, yeah, but like,
1: my <laughs> problem with it was, was, like, originally, it was, like, you know, Superman was always kind of a kooky character, even in the comic books. And like, you know, especially, you know, the, the movies that were made in the 80s, the Richard Donner movies and all. But it was really like, oh, you know, I'm I'm Clark Kent and I, oh, I'm, oh, I'm going into the into the phone booth to change him to my Super... Yeah, like, it didn't take you know, itself seriously, it, yeah. It didn't take itself seriously. And, you know, Marvel have proven they've been able to make comic book characters that don't take themselves seriously. I don't know why they didn't try to go that route with it, but they clearly, you know, capitalized on the, obviously, the Dark Knight trilogy and were like, well, we can do that with Superman. I think the reason I didn't like Man of Steel was because, while well, it was done well to a point, I, like, it, it was, take, I was like, this is Superman. The, and yeah, yeah. It was there was, so, it was like, like the you cryptons. were born for, gr- yeah, you were born for greater things and all yeah. this, color. like, fuck off, like, you know, he should be, you know, I want to see nerdy Clark Kent going into, uh, you know, the Daily Planet and like, oh, well, I need that article on Superman, you know, I want that yeah. kooky kind but, like, of stuff and then, the whole like, then, and, then was, like, no- and, and then it was like watching, and then it was like watching nine eleven at the end. All yeah, those buildings just <laughs> collapsing on each other. I, well, no, it was. I was. I was genuinely thinking, like, do, do Americans not see this and kind of think, like, whoa, this is like PTSD, like especially like, like yeah, they, this is. They, a they tough played watch, on that like. in Batman
2: v- versus Superman with yeah, like, exactly Black at the yeah. start. Like that's what inspired him. So they were like, it was basically like Superman caused nine eleven of you nine know, eleven. He did of, more of damage me, of Metropolis. Yeah. And, and he did more like, damage than nine eleven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, more people definitely died And that was all kind of Exactly, I think was, do you uh, know what, what I mean? Like, and, and I, like, and I, like I also hated The entire
1: like, city I-,
2: I hated like the elements of it To like where Krypton was It did take so- I like what you're saying Ian About like how it didn't take itself cri- seriously Like I want Krypton to be like This weird crystal planet And he can just like Throw yeah, a crystal at yeah, the water yeah. And have like his fortress of solitude I don't exactly. need Russell Crowe In the entire film in some weird Yeah, yeah, yeah With like its robots the, the, it Flying a giant lizard Around the place like dicks
0: Superman flies like Dix. Superman flies off Krypton in a
1: massive penis. <laughs> why? Why did nobody address that? I remember in the cinema, like looking he, around, being like, he always shot off in a this? giant
2: cock. Though, to be fair, like even if it was just like the little. <laughs> The little spaceship that he went in it as a baby. It was always a cock. But to be fair to Schneider, this,
0: this conversation reminds me of Terry. Remember when we went to go see Brightbird? And it's like, what if Superman was just a fucking asshole when he came to yeah, Earth an and asshole, just yeah. destroyed everyone? It's like far it, more interesting story than the original Superman story, in my opinion. Yeah, well, like remember <laughs> yeah, *Superman*? Uh, *Superman Returns*? Like that was probably one of the most boring films ever made. Yeah, awful, yeah, yeah. awful, and I actually terrible, thought that Man terrible. of Steel, Watch well, Snyder, has a good way of doing
2: it, and I thought he did this with Watchmen. I thought he even did this with the likes of. Uh not Justice League at all, but I, I suppose Whedon was heavily involved in that, but Batman v Superman as well, is that he has a way of bringing these superheroes kind of into the real world, into the real life by like, like there's a scene where there's like a flood, a massive flood happening and they have like Superman's S on the edge of it or stuff yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. Like different yeah. things like that, that really do bring into it, that see like how these superheroes are affecting like the general globe. And I think Snyder is very good at that too, his credit. But yeah, then again, and you know what? Yeah, that's a he cool kind of, to, and to
1: be fair to him, like it kind of worked with Watchmen. I know Watchmen exists in its own universe. Where it's I love bit, Watchmen. I got to, but it worked. and obviously, it's the dar- it's the dark and the no. Watchmen is excellent. I mean, Watchmen's I can see brilliant film. I, I I can see why they saw Watchmen and went, oh, Zack Snyder's the perfect man. For this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but Watchmen is like but that's a fucked wasn't. up
0: comic. You know? Yeah. Like, that's, no, exactly. That's, you know what I mean? But that's not chill at all.
1: No, and I, I mean this is the thing. And Superman is quirky little. Oh, yeah, kind of like the why, why Why do oh, to make, oh, make it so to save the day. Exactly. Well, like, Tr- don't try and.
2: Batman fucking kills people in Batman versus Superman, and everyone was all right with it. He yeah, there's, fucking is like uh... throwing grenades at people and everything, and everyone. Right I'm pretty
1: sure he has. I'm pretty sure he has a gun. I'm like 90s yeah, like yeah, sure in seen he's him call shoot him, like. people. But like, <laughs> like, if you're Adam going
0: he... to go down this dark route, why? You, like, he's basically just a maniac going around <laughs> yeah, shooting but... people, dressed in all black.
2: <laughs> and it's just, it just—it doesn't make any sense. Like, if there's one rule you have to follow when adapting Batman, is he doesn't kill people. That's the only rule. The yeah, rest exactly. is the whole there. fucking and point. If, if you're breaking that rule, address it say that he is, say this is why he's doing it, you know? I mean, they yeah. could have taken the whole Dark
0: Knight Returns ha- have kind of his aspect love interest to Batman, like Batman yeah, on screen yeah. or something. You know, have something yeah. really horrific but, happen to him. I get it, his parents fucking die. Boo-hoo, Batman. Like, exactly. This is not justify actually, countless murders.
1: <laughs> yeah. but, but actually, Tiernan, this is why actually I didn't like Man of Steel. I was, I was kind of sticking with it. And then at the end, when he was fighting Zod, and he's like punching the shit out of him and he's like he's like you motherfucker i'll fucking kill you you fucking piece of shit like i was i was like
0: he was gonna he was gonna zap the family into non-existence oh yeah i he love going, how going, they just stood zap, there and waited for their impending he, doom yeah. you know jesus christ he he just moved to slightly to the left <laughs>
1: He was going to zap a family of four, but don't mind that skyscraper I took down moments ago yeah, and t- yeah. killed an entire workforce. Yes, I'm aware. I just went through of an office
0: building, you yeah. know, killing countless <laughs> men, women, and children. But I can't and let children. this family die because it's simple. But here's family the thing: like,
2: what is going to be in the Schneider cut? Like, I can't see that, what, that he, what he's question. going to improve. Like, does the Flash get like molested or something? Like, how Schneider it this much darker? I hate like, Ezra Miller
0: as the Flash is shit. I, I, like, so I don't know how I he feel. He comes into a room, makes one of those stupid jokes. Like he's like, "Yeah, I'm pretty fast. I'm at The Flash." <laughs> the whole oh, thing, oh, the whole thing. Look is at me, so I'm quirky.
1: <laughs> uh, ooh, I'm 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 a weird guy. Ooh, I have superpowers and I don't really have friends. Uh, like what yeah. I was literally watching you know, Superman. Like Flash is a pretty serious two movies ago.
0: Like he's very smart in the <laughs> comics. He goes back in time. Yeah. Cyborg is also a scientist, the most like. one-dimensional character ever. He's like, I played football or something. My dad rebuilt me or something. Fuck off! <Yeah>.
2: Like, <laughs> what? But I just feel
0: like
2: it's these films feel like if I watch older superhero films, like like pre MCU. I watched like films like Superman Returns and back of the day they feel like they're on the exact same level as them and I don't know how yeah. they haven't improved. Like, have you ever seen Ang Lee's it. Hulk?
0: That thing is yeah. so fucking boring. <laughs> like, how is this... Like, I remember going to see Superman Returns. Um, Wait,
2: Batman. is that Eric... That's Eric Banner. Yeah, yeah that's Eric Banner. Yeah, Yeah,
0: it's the Eric Banner. I remember going... That Hulk's lit! <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it is, it is, it is, it
1: is, Jack, did you find it really dark when you saw it at the time? I remember seeing it as a kid yeah. and it scared the fucking yeah, shit out like, of me. Yeah, it's the like dad, an Irish the film. The dad like. is like... Dem- the dad is like domestically abusing the yeah. wife, and he's like pulls her <laughs> dad into the room, abusive. and she's like screaming, and she's like no, no. And I remember being as a kid, being like, oh my fucking yeah, God, like is this the Hulk? I thought the Hulk, Hulk was smash. gonna smash. <laughs> 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 it's clobbering time. It's like what? Oh no, that's the thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of
0: fucking oh, shit God. movies, fan stick. Or Fantastic Fan four, four is fucking shit. Yeah. Just as a, now that we're talking oh, about no, the worst wait, superhero wait. movies. Fantastic Four.
2: No, no, Fantastic. Then, oh, you're talking. Yeah, Fantastic Four. Stick, that, you that, know that, the one with the Miles Teller one. Yeah, Miles Teller, Jordan. That is that a literally. Josh Trank
1: was like Josh Trank came out the day before it came out and was like, Oh, I had nothing to do with yeah. this movie. Yeah, <laughs> so it sucks. It's not my fault. <laughs> no, that that's was... doing that
2: like that was slapped again sorry
0: lads We're hey and <laughs> off, like. but uh, that that was the when the obsession in, um superhero films was a giant blue light coming out of the sky and that came that that that, that, that was here for like four years and it's like oh no yeah. the, the alien or whatever the fuck has now got like 90 percent of his plan done so of course there's a big <laughs> and like a blue light and the heroes are like what's that and like someone's like i don't know but let's find
1: out yeah we, we've got to. We've we got to solve this. <laughs> we we have to do. We have to do it as a team. Yeah. We have to come together. <laughs> what? Like, like that's a good point here as well. Like, like what's going to be in the Snyder Cut? Like, what, like, what's actually gonna, what, what, what is it?
2: What's like, gonna change? He, like, they'd want some like drastic plot changes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I remember I he like released a whole
1: new. Do remember plots. he released a director's cut of uh, of Batman v Superman he he released the director's cut with like 15 minutes of extra footage and it, it didn't really have anything extra it fleshed out one of those weird plot lines that was going on like I, god it was such an incomprehensible mess i couldn't yeah. follow that movie there was but, so
2: many tributary plot lines that he just didn't oh, know what to do and they with. didn't go anywhere and they didn't yeah, go they went anywhere nowhere. but here's the thing with with the the schneider cut like I, i'm i like how uh, is everyone behind this and how is everyone behind this idea because like surely if you, if you want, like, let's talk about Justice League real quick. There is one overlooming bad guy, Steppenwolf, who is kind of like the Herald of Apocalypse, which is like DC's Thanos. He's a good he's a good villain, to be fair, so they probably should have just had him. And throughout the entire film, all of the Justice League is trying to fight Steppenwolf. And then at the end, Superman comes in, hits him one dig, and that's the issue over with. That's literally it. He <laughs> does one like. dig, like... How do they fix that issue? Like that means that just like there's Superman no point. Just kill Superman and leave him dead, like. But there's no yeah. point in having the rest of the Justice League. Yeah. Like just. There's no point in having there any of them because Superman oh yeah, like they just come in, th- swing a dig, and that's the it, that's it yeah, over. Yeah, because th-
1: there was a bit when like all their powers got like, like all their powers got like stopped, and then like the Flash got stopped. You know, he's running around, he got stopped. And, like Cyborg was stopped, and then, like Wonder Woman was like, you know. She lost her whip and all. And then Batman was just standing there with a gun and his gun just stopped working. And I was like Like what's the point of these people? Like they're they're just fucking useless. You know, when you have Superman like
2: I have no idea why like the Schneider code would want to have a completely an entirely new plot to be in any way watchable. Yeah. And I yeah. I I don't I don't think anything, anyone's going to watch it though. I think that they're looking at the Oh no, I think it I think
0: it will be very profitable. But I think no, the pandemic I, 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 I think the pandemic has a large large amount to do with the fact that this movie is it, getting yeah, released yeah. because they're like, "Hmm, we can't make any more movies for months. What's something that we have"
1: But we can we can, can just slap right together, oh, put it out. No one know, wants this. it it's going to HBO Go. Or yeah, exactly. It 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 will it'll appeal to a certain fan base that like you know like this. There is fans out there that want it for some reason. So just give it to them. And but like, is it not like DC have nothing to lose? They they have nothing to lose. Like they, is it they not 2021. It's 2021. 20, yeah. Maybe it is. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but I mean, but yeah. but like that's. But to be fair, I know you'd say it's 2021. But I mean, movies have. There's not going to be much new movies coming out in very 2021. True. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like true. there actually isn't. You know what I mean? Like there's going to be a shortage of movies because obviously they were getting made this year, and like movies that you start shooting, you know, a couple of months, a couple of months can make such a huge difference. Yeah. And, you know, by exactly the time it gets that. to editing and post production, so it like they have nothing to lose. They they've yeah. had they've never really had any real hits DC but at the same
2: time it is like a it's like a life flotation device you know one of those like life rings in the ocean yeah yeah (laughs) it's like like a saving grace they're throwing it out there they're hoping people eat it up before someone someone, someone takes it yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's the whole thing I feel like it's a last stitch attempt
0: you know like it was such a mess like like uh, fucking um, who plays Superman again sorry his name's completely Henry Cavill Cavill, he wanted yeah yeah. he wanted out he wouldn't shave. His mustache, because you know the mustache he grew <laughs> for Mission Impossible Five, Mission
1: Impossible, yeah, or
0: something. Um, and he plays like the he has a fucking mustache in the movie, but he couldn't shave it because obviously he was contracted to do the movie when they're doing re- reshoots. So, like, half of the day, <laughs> like, they spent, like, I yeah. think the budget was, like, 80 grand or something on fucking his moustache, like, fucking fixing his moustache. On CGI well, for Well, his it's so weird. Mustache.
2: DC seemed to have such an issue with that because remember the original Joker, Cesar Romero? <laughs> he, yeah. he just oh, wouldn't shave yeah. his moustache either, so he constantly had white makeup over a moustache. Why can't they,
1: like, why over can't they just convince mustache, their yeah. cast
2: that, like, this is a stipulation shave of your, your multi-million dollar shave contract? your moustache. Yeah, <laughs> you're shaving that <laughs> will... fucking moustache, <laughs>
1: <laughs> i i love how i love how as well like you know they could have bought a mustache like like you could go to a fucking a joke shop for mission impossible and buy a decent mustache yeah but mission impossible were clearly like no 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 if you're taking henry cavill back to do reshoots he's keeping the fucking like mustache you, you have a me. person
0: on set was dedicated <laughs> to, to costumes make and makeup <laughs> and you're just like being it. difficult
1: <laughs> but um
2: yeah, so are we all in agreement? Just that interest, who actually saw Justice League in cinema? I did, just because I happened to be I, near a cinema. I, I, I,
0: <laughs> I did not. I watched <laughs> I, I, it on Sky, and the movie looks like in. shit as well.
1: Tiernan, I can picture you walking out of the cinema, like, out of Justice League, and someone's in, you be like, oh, oh I, I just, I, I fell in, okay? <laughs> <careful." laughs> oh, no, I, I what, this was the cinema? Uh, no, but, uh, but yeah. <laughs> I uh, but like I was
2: pretty done with that at that time too. I just happened to be in Liverpool and I was waiting for a flight, so I just went to the cinema. But I think that everyone was done with DC by the time the Justice League came out. Yeah, yeah, it didn't bring anyone else back into it.
1: No, and I mean it was a it was a fail. It was you know it was a ship going down, and they saw the opportunity for Joss Whedon to finish it, and then they also. Took the opportunity to put all these stipulations in that Zack Snyder probably wasn't going to agree to, and you know, like I mean, it was even evident when the movie came out because Justice League was meant to be part one and part two. Do you remember that they were yeah. going to do a, yeah. a part one like, and part was it two, fucking and then and they, then they made a and then they made a single a single two hour movie, which means that they just were like, okay, and like, I mean, even where does it go now? I mean, the well, Aquaman the, movie. Who cared about that? Here's like, the thing: kind of I happened. forgot Aquaman was
0: a movie.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Exa- exactly dcu's like state right now and they're just like absolute failure uh, in creating a viable universe just shows how important kevin feige is at the top of marvel Ex- exactly yeah, doesn't exactly. it It really you does. need someone like, to just you... take
0: the fucking reins of dc and be like this is what we're doing Fuck this you, is the direction
2: <laughs> like Fuck whatever you. about every whatever whatever about every other style that uh, each director brings this is the one direction and this is what they have to adhere to <laughs> And And like the thing about Kevin Feige is
1: like Kevin Feige isn't isn't like a an excellent filmmaker or anything. But like as a businessman, he just knew what formula worked with Marvel. He knew who he knows who to hire. He knows what to let them do. He knows. And then he's clearly a very organized person who's able to set out a plan. And like, you know, he he clearly creates an environment where there's a creative atmosphere where people can work with each other. Because like when you think about it, like James Gunn. Had to have been working with the Russos because you know the Russos were killing off characters and stuff in the Avengers films, but obviously James Gunn had other movies. So there's clearly like loads of cross communication there, and they all had a had a good idea of what was happening. DCU is D, the DCU is like it's just like oh, everyone's just doing what the fuck they want, yeah. and 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 what's wor- what I hate about them as well is they they don't stick to their original plans because they shit themselves because they see how well Marvel are doing like remember they did that with with Suicide Squad because if you watch that movie which I think doesn't get shot on enough I think that was just as bad as Batman v Superman travesty, travesty. But, and, Fuck that movie, and man. it was cu- it, like the editing of that film was clearly not how it was originally yeah. edited, and they they admi- they admitted that. They said they got a trailer. They house. saw
2: Deadpool, and they were yeah. like, "Fuck it." They and were like, "Grab like, the film. Fuck, just, make this." Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: just exactly exactly. That's exactly what happened, and it was just, it's just embarrassing. They don't stick to their guns. They just go, "Shit, Marvel did something way yeah. fucking better there. Let's try I, and copy that," I mean, and then it just that comes is the out thing. worse.
2: I mean, look, Marvel at the start of the MCU, they made a lot of mistakes. The start of Thor was yeah. shit. Iron Man yeah. 3 was a fucking... Oh, the first was two terrible. tours were shit. Yeah, yeah. The and, Dark World and, is a but shit they, But they always said... We're heading in one direction, and it's going to be one culmination at the end. And DC just, they change the plot every, every couple of ten minutes. Mm. They have no idea mm. where they're going. They have no idea no what idea. they want to do. And no, yeah. it's just led to a point where now with the success of Joker, they've got to just make one, once-offs and just- Once-offs, so yeah. exactly. I to see
0: fucking all of these cool Batman comics. When you look back, you can be like, that's fucking class. Like um, Gotham by Gaslight. Have you ever heard about that? And it's like Batman, but mm. in like the 1300s. No, he's like in the 1800s. oh yeah yeah yeah. He's in like the 1800s. They said it in the
1: eighteen hundreds, yeah. And yeah. like he goes they could do around. cool stuff like that. Yeah, and there'd like, be an audience. For why that. not? Like, that could be fucking cool. Or yeah, like I mean, sure, even the fact that they're doing this new Matt Reeves Batman, you know, with Robert Pattinson, yeah, just means that they're just you know they're just gonna gonna say oh well we'll just make this and who wants to go see yeah, it? I... So, I mean, it was a bit like that with the Joker. Well, like, it's it's out there. Let's see who wants to go see it. Have
2: you seen like what? What I'd recommend to everyone who hadn't seen the majority of them is all of the DC uh, animated films. They're all incredible. But mm, there's yeah, one class. that's just been recently released. There's one in 2018 called Batman Ninja, and it's it's Batman <laughs> and and the Joker, and they're all and they're all samurais. They go back in time and they're all samurais, and it's deadly. It's so much that fun. It's crazy. Like, I don't know why they don't do stuff yeah. like that. Why they're not like there's so there's always these great once once off adaptations that don't have a fleshed out universe. Just do that It's actually a really good Yeah really good Like film. Um, watch it. a great animated
0: Batman film Is The Dark Knight Returns It's fucking dead Yeah
1: Exactly One of the exactly. issues
2: With this is that Like all of the animated films If you What Christopher Nolan did Is he took So much elements Of all of the animated films And put them all In his own adaptation so if we watched, like, one of the uh, those adaptations back on the live screen, a lot of it would be very much Dark Knight. So I feel yeah, like that's yeah, one yeah. of their issues. So they kind of do have to go a bit more off-base and a bit more original. But I, I don't see why they're not doing it with other Justice League characters. I mean, Flash... Has some great, some great solo storylines and, and some great comic uh, comic book stories, like Flashpoint stories to tell. Class, yeah, Flashpoint, amazing, unbelievable. But it, I,
1: exactly, and like you could make a, an aqua. You know, everyone slagged Aquaman because you're like, you know, it's it's a ridiculous character, and what was what they were trying to do was fit Aquaman into this dark Superman universe that they had created, and that just doesn't. doesn't they work made work. him see so,
0: chad. <laughs>
2: He is a sea chad. No, he actually is well, like there's no better way to describe it as as like just ridiculous as that sounds. Aquaman is a sea chad. Yeah, honest, and like Jason Momoa he, he was mark-
1: is,
0: Jason
2: Momoa is so he, he, overrated, man. He, he's so mad. He's he's a cool guy, but he's just so mad. He's a
1: cool guy, but like that's what it was marketed. At. You your you sit your grandpa's Aquaman. Yeah, well, you know. Our Aquaman goes to the gym and fucking drinks beers. And yeah. Oh, your Aquaman is so beer, cool like, like- like Jesus I What fed, the hell am I watching I fed He still talks a to fish
0: You fed Aquaman
2: You fed Aquaman a quiche I fed Aquaman a quiche That's like my claim to fame at the minute <laughs> <laughs> I was working on the set of You know the Apple TV show uh, C. And oh I, yeah yeah and i like went up into this like it was like the mountains of vancouver like up near whistler and i went up into this like secluded spot and aquaman <laughs> was on top of it playing a bass guitar with francis lawrence like right beside it. <laughs> and i gave aquaman a quiche and francis lawrence some uh pieces of apple with peanut butter were they nice <laughs> yeah i suppose like i know he it, it, jason momo only took he like took the crust off the quiche and left the rest so I gave the rest. Of, I gave the rest of the quiche to someone else because I really wanted the Aquaman's like half-eaten quiche.
1: <laughs> well, uh, well uh, like I mean, what I was gonna say was, um, oh fuck! What the fuck was I gonna say there? I've just completely lost my train of thought there. for fuck's sake!
3: <laughs> yeah, it
2: was, it was. He he's a pretty cool guy. He's pretty. He is very Chad though. Like he's very Chad on the set. Like he just bouncing around <laughs> doing his own thing. He's,
0: he's, he's a, a professional axe thrower. Guy. Yeah, he is.
2: Yeah. Um, he always does it with his daughter as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he was great in Game of Thrones as Khal Drogo, um, for the brief season. For, yeah, in. for like the exactly. eight episodes, and he was
1: only in a couple of episodes. Like, he's
0: so. he's all he's all aesthetics over over
2: actual.
1: Exactly. exactly. Oh yeah, he's pretty like
2: if you want
0: someone like fucking. Who looks like that be, Like he's got a very Kind of an action character Distinct yeah. look I feel
1: like we just Accepted him as a movie star Like way too quickly Yeah we did like, Yeah, He we was gave, in a couple of episodes Of Game of Thrones pass, And then it was like Because he was the big guy, guy. Like, yeah, no, He's a movie star now Like you know so he,
2: like, like we yeah, won't actually. accept Any of the actual Game of Thrones characters As movie stars well, You know yeah, I mean cause Peter Emilia Dinklage Emilia Had like a shit. small chance
0: Yeah Emilia Kit Clark shit. is shit She is shit at acting
1: They've all been found out Except for Peter Dinklage And like I mean but I, I, I mean, feel
2: I feel like Peter I Dinklage think... was slightly he, he you see his issue is he's only ever going to be the dwarf, unfortunately. Yeah, and yeah. You see that in films like like Three Billboards. His whole character yeah. was the fact that he was a dwarf, which is just, it's it's unfortunate because uh, uh, he is a good actor.
1: Although remember he played um, Richard Trask in X Men, and they didn't yeah. even and they didn't even like acknowledge it, which I like I actually thought that worked. I was like oh, yeah. I didn't even I didn't even pay a second thought to it. The only problem is. Wasn't much of a fucking character for Peter Dinklage. Like the guy is yeah. such yeah. an incredible actor. He could have done a lot more. Him,
2: I feel if like they let him operate. He was, he was very, down. very secondary character. Very secondary character. Anyway, we should definitely be heading on to John Hughes now. We we use our whole new <laughs> section, new section yeah. on just tearing apart DC, which I'm so happy about. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I actually got a we request. I got a request this week to discuss the Schneider Cut, and the, they were <laughs> excited that we were going to talk about it. So, I'm Well, we we, we we certainly
1: got our, we got our <laughs> bashes in anyway, so.
2: All right, so on um, to John Hughes. So I think we, we, we're we doing this, we're doing this uh, podcast because like, uh, yeah, obviously we, we like to talk about like relevant topics and relevant people. But, like, we're not always going to be able to do that when talking about cinema, especially with directors and, like, really amazing filmmakers who have died. And it's nice to go back and just, like, take apart, like, some, like, genre-defining directors that and, like, writers that have gone out there. And John Hughes is one of my favourite auteurs and who's ever existed. And I feel like not a lot of people would know him. Maybe that's just from my perspective. But if you don't know who John Hughes is, you've seen, like, a hundred of his films. Nice. All of his films. Yeah, definitely. One hundred percent.
1: That's so true. That's so. Without no like, knowing it, mean, without no knowing it, might not exactly the name John Hughes might not spring into your mind. It's like a fake or ID. You name, <laughs> uh, um, John Hughes, uh, John John
0: Hughes. There's there's eight John Hugheses down the pub, like.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah you see he so did true. like
2: he did like completely just denounce all publicity and like public interviews and he only had like a handful of interviews i was actually watching well, one that's today the with thing. i've
1: i've only seen a few myself um with, yes. with john hughes he's not like it's funny he was a prolific director so i like we should list off some of the st- the stuff that he's some of the work that he's worked on we're always going to talk about a few in particular but you know he is one of his arguably his most famous is ferris Bueller's day off you've yeah the breakfast club the, the breakfast club you've got pretty and pink 16 candles he wrote home alone and um, you've got you wrote the, beethoven's, automobiles. He the wrote beethoven's the beethoven's yeah. Um, he, well beethoven's uh, so, not
2: bad i mean that's that's mm, childhood defining mm, stuff you know yeah. Ah, come on, guys. Get out of your hole. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Everyone watched I'll, Beethoven I'll, when they I'll were a kid. I'll give
0: you the first Beethoven's go. Well, yeah, yeah. Beethoven, okay, he shouldn't have been involved fourth. in the rest. Four. The fifth. The fifth. The, the, wait, wait I think he was just a... Uh, adventure. No, it, I think, Oh, you, also... Wait, no, is sorry, he not just it, a in producer was, in those? Well, uh, well... I, well, yeah, but he still has a... So.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, one came out... One yeah. came out in 2014 like I think that's it's based quite on the original character is what it is Yeah like. yeah that's so what we it is like, So yeah.
0: I wonder how many Beethoven they they been.
1: cuz the first oh, Beethoven I don't like I don't like think I don't like thinking about it i don't... Infinite. <laughs> to top ten
2: questions science still can't answer.
1: <laughs> <But> <laughs> How um... many Beethovens have there been? Well also, yeah. did you realise I didn't realise um he wrote this until today and this was a serious childhood movie mine was a uh, Flubber. Flubber he wrote Flubber. Flubber. Yeah. And uh I, I I mean I haven't seen it in years, but I remember I fucking loved it at the time. I loved now, it, obviously. Loved it. It's probably a lot of that is to do with um Robin Williams, but you know, as we'll get into in the podcast, you see, because John Hughes is kind of one that mystifies me a little bit because he's had a patchy career. Um, in that, he his name is on some some fucking terrible stuff. Not yeah, not, I think not that... necessarily not necessarily true his own fault. I think it's... that some of the material that because like, he obviously wrote so much. He like just looking at I'm IMDb here. He has fifty one writing credits. Now that doesn't mean he wrote fifty one. Wrote movies. all them, yeah. But he only directed 8 films You know what I mean So I think he wrote anywhere between 15 to 20 yeah. films One thing um, that I
2: think that like his downfall may have been Is that he was very much up for a sequel And even like the talks of like Ferris Bueller Was supposed to get a sequel And Matthew Broderick was actually the one who shut it down because I mean, it's just such a perfect film that yeah, you shouldn't yeah. you shouldn't make a sequel to. it. I feel like John Hughes was a bit too much up for a sequel, and that was one of his downfalls with quite a lot of these things. But no, the, there's definitely some questionable, some questionable well, stuff. Uh, and here. also,
1: sorry, we should say as well, these movies are all have one thing in common: the 1980s. They just yeah. encapsulate the 1980s. Absolutely, America like so. Well, I was never and... in
0: America during the 1980s, but you know, <laughs>
1: yeah. I completely,
0: but, but yeah, I completely agree idea. with it, everything I'm, that you've I'm, said. I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> well, like um, quite a lot of his um quite quite a lot of these films like like you know that the Library of Congress in America has actually declared that the Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off is both culturally and aesthetically relevant in in cultural history. So, not only is it popular culture, it's just American and Western culture in general. It's yeah, ingrained in yeah. both. Yeah, that's legal. Which is, like, I mean, that's that's one of the main reasons why we really should be discussing him as, as a filmmaker. Because to be able to capture a generation or a decade or an era so Which, well. Which, with
1: a couple of films is... In a couple yeah.
2: of films, it's just such a feat. It's such an accomplishment. Yeah. like i I think
1: as well um like the thing about john hughes is as well and the time that he came in because when you watch these movies john hughes wasn't you know he was obviously older than a teenager but he he really gets teenagers (laughs) he really got teenagers and and the teenage experience and he was really really good at that and obviously you know the breakfast club which you know is in my personal opinion his best one i think that's like his his masterpiece and that's obviously kind of a very real kind of look at teenage life and, and these mis- mis- mismatch of teenagers stuck in tension together. And what's what I love about The Breakfast Club is it, it could be a play. I'm sure it is a play. You know what I mean? It, it works as a play. It's all yeah. set in one room. And then you have Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is kind of much more whimsical and kind of like a teenager's kind of kind of daydream. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of like, I, 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 think I can might be whoever be I want and I can... Yeah, like, I mean, that's what it's kind of sold as. And like, I mean... And you know, I I watched um, so I watched Sixteen Candles um today, and um we we discussed this. The problem with John Hughes is he has timeless films like The Breakfast Club and. Well, Garry's wait, wait,
2: wait. Off. Will we? Will we? Just before I know where this is going. <laughs> are, <laughs> no, no. Are, are we? Are we starting with Sixteen Candles? Yeah. I think that's it's a good, place to, a good place to start. I think it's a good
1: place to start. I think it's a good place to start. I, okay. 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 Well, I just, no, say, no, bef- I just before want to we say... I just want to say, I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's that bad. You know what I mean? Well, like, I, I Really? Think it's okay. What? I think 60s okay. Candles before we,
2: this conversation, <laughs> b- before we start into this conversation, I just want to say, I am not the type of person who looks at a film and looks at a film that's a product of its time and thinks... That humor shouldn't be okay, even though it was okay at the time. I think that you should leave it as it is. It doesn't matter. Take it with a pinch of salt. Whatever you need to do. But it's exactly.
1: It's it's out there now. It's out there now. There's no change. But but, but. sixteen candles is not fucking okay. okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck this. Everyone.
1: Why <laughs> is everyone obsessed with Molly Ringwald's breasts in this film? Like even it's her it's grandmother. Such, like her grandmother like touches her like molests her in the film like like oh and she actually says that she goes i can't believe i got felt up by my grandmother like it was yeah but the 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 thing about it is as well is you need to you need to remember at the time right this is 1984 teen movies were not really a thing and i think as well this is this is a bit far-reaching and i don't know if you'll agree with me but i think that teenagers didn't really have a, a voice or it was hard to picture what teenagers were because for years people were kids and then they were adults you didn't have time to become a teenager like you know the 50s and 60s yeah. and stuff you were a teen and then you came the 70s which was a more rebellious time and but teenagers were kind of a bit more like you know the, the teenagers that you have an idea of in the 60s and 70s are much more like you know crazier and rebellious yeah and they, they ran ran away from home and stuff whereas then the 80s came along and you had a whole teenage culture there that existed where you know you could you could explore the teenage experience between the ages of being 13 to 18 and that hadn't really been done before yeah and like teenagers well... were always seen as like these these kind of rebellious kids whereas like in in you know, the likes of Sixteen Candles is... Because the thing about Sixteen Candles is... There's no story there. There's absolutely zero story in there. I film. had no idea well, what man. was <laughs>
0: fucking going on the whole time. <laughs> Who are these characters? All I know well, is they the thing, forgot though. her birthday... And then she was fine with it. <laughs> Do
2: you not like, think, that's... though, that, like... It's real grassroots John Hughes... And the fact that it set him up for... For being the voice of this teen generation... Come, like you were saying, Ian. And I feel like this film... It almost like I know we're saying it's problematic now, it obviously is quite problematic. I wouldn't, it almost say problematic feels like... I wouldn't
1: say problematic, but I just say that the jokes don't hold up, and you look at things and go, dude, no, you made that joke Ian, to me Ian, now. Ian. Oh
2: man, no. Long duck dong.
1: That, the, that okay, is that problematic. Is, that, that is not problematic. <laughs> that's just full
0: on racist. Like, he talks like Every time he like comes
1: it. on, the gong, every time he's on screen. Like every single guys
0: watching ferris bueller and i was like oh there's like one or two kind of subtly racist things here yeah before i watched yeah. 16 candles <laughs> 16 and i turned candles, that on yeah. and i was like what the fuck's going on here because <laughs> well, they call see, him in China the breakfast man. Club,
2: like yeah in the breakfast the club thing. you see like each and every character in the breakfast club is a cliche Whereas Long Duck Dong is just a fucking stereotype. Yeah, like that's, that's yeah, something yeah. to like see in a political cartoon in, in the most in extreme Germany, form. Like, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, he he, he starts in the movie. It, it, how the intro of the movie is a gong comes on and he's hanging upside down. And even the way he talks, you're like, like no. like, like, he's, not like he's not a human. He's not a human. They definitely he's not human. did
0: something to his teeth because it's just so. Oh, 100%. Or he, they asked like, him to stick, and like, stick them out. He, out. he
2: can't drive. I don't think he can use cutlery. Like, he's literally
1: yeah. as <laughs> oh, cliche he, as you can possibly by, be towards He's Dave... mystified by quiche. Like it's just like, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's... But I'd, you know, yeah. in saying that, it is. This is a good starting point for Hughes. You can see where he would yeah. go. Yeah, this no, was, that's what I obviously. I suppose you it say, was the like... start of him working with um, Molly Ringwald, who like was the eighties heartthrob. She was like, yeah you know everything and then also um anthony michael hall which she worked with loads and i love how his character is just the geek in this yeah, film ge- yeah, he doesn't yeah, have a name a also can we talk about his relationship at the end of that movie with well look look i think Strange. that we can build to that quite
2: a bit but like i mean it, this is just like rape culture like I looked up
0: right. I looked up Sixteen Candles on Twitter and scrolled through because it was weirdly enough it was on fucking TV in America tonight. Uh
2: which Whoa, is so, so strange.
0: Weird. So fucking strange. So it was it there was a good couple of tweets and everyone was like oh I'm gonna rewatch Sixteen Candles to see how it held up i'm five minutes in it there's been several racial slurs uh yeah, a woman like it, was it objectified up, by her problem. grandmother and um <laughs> she she was weighed up by her her breast size <laughs> i was like like, the, like, yeah, like, like enough, as right. i said
1: as well it's kind of a weird it's, it's kind of weird as well because they they obviously then went into the whole teen thing as well because the, the jokes in this movie are fucking childish as fuck But it's a teen movie. I mean, they drop f bombs in it. They show a naked girl in it, which I was really uncomfortable with because they're meant to be sixteen year olds. Meant to be sixteen. In in a fucking shower. Now, obviously, like I mean, I think Molly Ringwald was probably nearly twenty when they started shooting this film. Like Like, they were, they
2: definitely weren't under. it I mean, maybe Hollywood's pretty dodgy sometimes. Yeah, that's
1: true. You wouldn't know either. You wouldn't know. I mean, yeah.
2: So it's definitely like the way I look at it is kind of like the way we're discussing that. Like all these jokes are a bit fucked. Is like I'm picturing our kids in like fifty years looking at Superbad and being like. Yeah,
1: you put... Well, I mean, even, even... even... Even now, like I mean, when you watch the old, um, you know, the Inbetweeners, the the UK show, I think that'd be very hard to make a TV show like that now. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like impossible! I, no, I don't it think really it would. Be. I just don't think people would would be on board with it. Whereas, uh, look, you know, this
2: is what I'm saying is like I don't think that's a good thing. I think if you can joke about it, you can relate to it. I think everything should be okay. But when it comes to this type of humor, it's very tasteless, and I don't think it. Not only did it not age well, I don't know how it was ever funny. Yeah. Because like the whole Long Duck Dong, whatever his name is. It's long like, duck
1: dong yeah jeez. yeah Christ. it's just like, like just what are you what do you yeah <laughs> like, why it's it's is just, i feel like they wrote, feel this <laughs> like, wrote, this <laughs> yeah. wrote this script
2: like johnny who's wrote this script, <laughs> yeah. wrote this script. Like, <laughs> like, like, molly ringwald has like a really immersive oh, it's like, just, like, like, it's it's kind of story about like, gratifying, good. Good. gratifying it's, no it's not i mean like you're a mess there's like there's no real storyline everyone likes him everyone's into him but it's not exciting ah i know let's literally look up the definition to being racist towards asians and put it in this film
0: yeah and then there's just all but, the weird sexy like fucking rapey kind of vibe that like every, yeah it's v- it is very there is a stuff.
1: rapey vibe it's like well yeah this, and like why? it's it's all just like now to be fair you need to remember like in the 1980s this would have been the height of that culture like think about like wall street and like the shit that went on in the offices in the 80s so like i think it was just always like kind of a nudge and wink joke at this stage but it's even weirder when it's a movie. It's about uncomfortable. Mi- minors. It's a movie about sixteen-year-olds. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's now. To be fair, uh, John Hughes had also made um, Weird Science, which uh, yeah. d- doesn't I look, age well at all. I looked, that and up. that's about that is about horny teenagers who essentially create a like an alien woman, and she's like you know this the beautiful fucking woman. And quote, and
0: the quote quote perfect woman like.
1: Exactly, yeah, and it's about them, like, you know, just these horny. Co- you know, it's funny because John Hughes was a trailblazer for so many things, but also, so, like, so many great things, and also so many things that were inspired by him that, like, don't hold up. So, like, I kind of think John Hughes should kind of be credited with starting the boner comedy a bit as well. Because, I mean, those, you know, those movies, like, you know when you think of the movies like dude Where's my car and all and things like that they they came after this and i think they they would have been influenced by that but then you also have stuff now that i think are totally john hughes and are super popular like sex education on netflix that is yeah. has john hughes all over that Do you know what i mean like that is to me Do you think like, eight, eight? I, I, I think that i think that the humor and stuff is obviously different but it kind of I feels think, like this like, whole kind of like everyone's in
0: school and like you can just relate everyone's to in school
1: and you can re- yeah and th- yeah and i think that that was never really done before and never done well before and i suppose like, yeah i
0: can i can kind of see that comparison he said the so. uh, yeah like i mean look, i suppose he probably exactly that, he said
1: like i
0: th- teens want sex and they want well yeah exa- exactly exactly in all exactly. their films i mean exactly constantly yeah but like i was i was thinking like my mom probably watched this film when it came out, and then like she would probably be like, "Oh, I can't believe you're watching." She like, probably American loved pie. it, like,
1: <laughs> yeah, hundred percent, like you and know what like, mean? Yeah, like, I mean. American Pie is
0: weird and rapey, though.
1: Yeah, like, but, but apparently thing, like, it is I'll...
0: though. That that's another issue
2: altogether. But yeah. Apparently, American Pie. I don't pie know. I watched it gonna like a year and a half ago, it. and I
0: didn't think it was too bad.
2: I I feel like you can't look back on these things and be like too overly critical but yeah, at the same yeah. time I, I don't know if I cut out or if I cut out mid talking there earlier. I don't know my wifi is pretty bad at the minute but I don't know if you just got the feeling with this film that like they looked at the script and they were like they saw Molly Ringwald's story and like Anthony Hall's story and they were like we need to just add something, so they just added a racist version of.
1: An yeah, Asian. I agree because because that stuff isn't really in the other movies. You know what I mean? It's, no, it's, it's not, not really at all. in. It's not in. It's not. It's certainly not in the Breakfast Club. Obviously, Jack there's the a tiny two bit in, in Ferris Bueller, Bueller. But, nothing, but not But not a whole character. And it's, it's against an Asian person it. again.
0: So yeah, Ferris yeah, Bueller's sister is like, do you like quote quote speaky English? And then you go like twenty yeah. minutes later when she gets arrested and brought to the police station, the police chief is Asian.
1: Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, but, like, it's not really in Planes, Trains, and Automobiles either. And, like, the no, thing about not. John Hughes is, as well, is John Hughes is funny in that he's a, he, he really defined the, the teen dramedy um, kind of genre. But he also was an excellent um, family-friendly script writer. So, you know, he, he obviously wrote Home Alone. Um, And, you know, and like the the Beethoven movies we said. So I think John Hughes... I don't want to say his humor his sense of humor was childish, but I think that he knew how to write a certain type of sense yeah. of humor that could appeal to to teens and young people. And I and feel I mean, like
2: when it came to Sixteen Candles, he did he kind of fall short of it. But it was definitely you can see like the groundwork there. This is definitely the like groundwork. the scaffolding that went into his yeah. writing. And like when, and I mean, that, it's that incredible he like like created the his th- masterpieces, you know. Because I mean well, a lot is, of these characters they are such cliches. Like like I was saying about the Breakfast Club, they are such like drawn out like such typical high schoolers but i mean we wouldn't have seen this before these films you know and i feel like exactly, he created yeah. his own genre that we saw like other brilliant films come out of like the likes of uh 10 things i hate about you amazing film.
3: Yeah, yeah yeah and um, i feel like, like I that
2: that comes so straight that. from a john hughes script like that hughes, that, that is yeah. john hughes yeah and i was actually baffled that it wasn't john hughes you know but yeah. like
1: no because that is his style like that's 100% his style of film and, yeah. like yeah the thing is as well is like he, he he gets the comedy but he also gets the melodrama and i think he's kind of self-aware in that because the one thing i liked about 16 candles was you know molly ringwald is the main character it's just about it's essentially about these teens navigating through a couple of days in high school it's a bit like dazing and views a little bit like it's just there's not a particular overarching story but molly ringwald has these like all these little first world problems that a teenager experiences and you know she's kind of so melodramatically sad about it but you know it, it kind of works because that's what that's how your mind works when you're a teenager it's very trivial you're, yeah it's very you're, trivial. yeah you're melodramatic about little things that don't really fucking matter but they matter to you at the time and that comes across now the funny thing is with the breakfast club he took it a step further because the step you know the breakfast club was, I don't I don't I don't know how he went from Sixteen Candles to The Breakfast Club because yeah. while The Breakfast Club has funny moments in it, I would consider it more of a drama than a comedy. Well, here, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: just before you get into that, real quick, I was gonna say it's interesting that like Sixteen Candles and Playing Trains and Automobiles were so close together because I feel like he took both of those elements of comedy. So Sixteen Candles is kind of like a very straightforward high school uh, angst type of, uh, type of comedy that was big at yeah, the time, yeah. and then Playing Trains and Automobiles is that kind of like Steve Martin slapstick slapstick comedy yeah steve
1: martin yeah exactly and
2: and i feel like when he looked at ferris bueller and he looked at breakfast club he said to himself these aren't just going to be comedy films these are going to be so much more than just comedy films and they really are and i wouldn't define them just by that genre even though that's kind of what the face value provokes yeah but these films i don't know what genre they fall under because not only are they hilarious and they are very like tonally comedic but they are such a, an immersive, emotional story at the same time that like everyone can relate to. You know, they're just yeah. like perfectly relatable. Whereas like sixteen candles is in no way relatable for the likes of us. Maybe for young women back in like the uh, back in the eighties and like planes, trains, and automobiles. It's just straightforward comedy. It's yeah, that's like that, it. yeah. Really
0: is illegal. due date a remake of planes, trains, and
3: automobiles?
2: That's let, let's let's transition. That's a good with point. This that's a great I was point. That's I rewatched planes, trains, and automobiles and I was like so. This is where Jude a got it from, you know? yeah. The- <laughs> but it is, and
1: I mean, um, like you—you you have to kind of consider that John Hughes made these these films that were iconic, and then you got ten other cookie-cutter films that were trying to replicate what John Hughes did in the eighties, yeah. and and you kind of got with it. But it is, isn't it? It's like, a carbon John,
2: copy, isn't it? Like it really is. It's a
1: carbon copy, essentially. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's it's got its. It's got its problems because the thing is, there is, I don't think Judate's necessarily a bad movie, but I don't want to see another Planes, Trains, and Automobiles because, like, that I think the John Hughes version of it worked really, really well and it's perfect. Now, to be fair in saying that, I mean, you look at Dumb and Dumber and I think that lifts a lot of stuff from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, that kind of wacky road trip with mismatched trip, people. Yeah, yeah you know, where they're, more... and it keeps getting more. No, but. but in saying that, you know, you had, um, the National Lampoons movies, which were kind of similar, not, not to the, they were much wackier than Planes, Trains and Automobiles, but it was, it was, you know, so it has kind of been done, but I think as well that you, you, John Hughes created cookie cutter films, and I, I hope that doesn't negate from the movies that he made, because his films are so, as you say, Taryn, there's so much more, like, I mean, when I first watched Breakfast Club, I think I was about 16 years old when I saw it at the time, and I always heard about it, but I actually didn't know much about it. I always heard, you know, Breakfast Club, Breakfast Club, great fucking from movie. Family go, from Family
2: Guy, from Family Guy, you knew everything. <laughs> family. Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. And I, I, came out of it, and I was like, holy shit, that's one of the best fucking movies I've, I think I've ever seen. Like at the time, like I mean, I, I mean, I've seen a lot more movies since, but it really it means blew a lot me to
2: away. you when you're a teenager. Yeah, it means a when lot you're a teenager, you. exactly. I, I really, really, really where did you guys does.
0: first watch it?
1: I watched it in my friend Jack Shannon's house. We watched it together.
2: You know what just popped into my head? The first thing, when you said that, I the first thing that popped into my head was a school library, and I was like, "Wait, no, I didn't watch it there." And Then it <laughs> 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 clearly That's just thinking of a reference club. <laughs> I, I watched it
0: in uh, in uh, Mister Duff's science class in fourth year. He was like, "You got to he... see this."
1: he, he loved john hughes Lo- he <laughs> loved john hughes he he i'm just gonna go off topic here for a sec but i remember we were in class one day and he was calling out people's names and he started doing the the bueller um bit and he's gone bueller, bueller. <laughs> bueller and then um and then cal goes our friend cal uh was like i don't know what like he was joking he's like has anyone seen that and then uh like no one knew what he was talking about, and he's like, "Oh my god!" He was like, "Ferris Bueller's Day Off," one of the greatest films ever made. Go home and watch it, and he said it like so aggressively. It was so like, "What's wrong with you people?" Like it was each yeah, fair enough though. I fair can't enough. believe no yeah. one's yeah. John seen it. Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, back back to um, playing yeah. trains
2: and automobiles real quick. Um, I was looking, at, I was watching this film, and I just think it's very off base to what John Hughes was going to go on to write. And I think that that's very, like, relevant when you're actually watching it because I don't know if you've felt this, but you know the famous, like, John Candy scene where he kind of stops Steve Martin and he basically says, I'm the real article, you know, that kind of whole thing. yeah. That felt very, very forced in the film because it was so early on in their relationship. They didn't really have that kind of, like... Yeah, bouncing you off see, each other relationship they didn't know each other but yeah. what i will say is i feel like that sean Hughes kind of looking at like very straightforward comedy and wanting to add the emotional elements that he that he would go on to add in the likes of yeah, ferris be and breakfast club yeah. you know and he couldn't do well, that with play chains and automobiles because it's way too well, straightforward I,
1: yeah it's a straightforward uh, straightforward comedy film and the thing is as well is i don't know whether this is a john hughes thing or a kind of a studio stipulation thing but all of his movies are only around 90 minutes long and he doesn't really he doesn't really draw out relationships and stuff when they don't need to be because you know the thing with planes trains and automobiles is is you're getting so many visual gags in and you're getting so many jokes in that you know they kind of tell the story so they don't really get to flesh out Steve Martin and John Candy's relationship as you say and then you get that kind of forced scene early on in the film, whereas. The Breakfast Club. They're just stuck in a room, and it's the 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 six six kids, yeah. and and they there's get. No there's else to it, yeah. There's, exactly. There's literally... no, and and the whole the plot of the film moves along by them you know getting to know each other whereas planes trains and automobiles plot is a is is about the wacky adventure on the way it's actually
2: fit yeah it's physically moving so it's it's physically
1: exactly yeah also did did you notice him did you notice kevin bacon Bacon at the start i knew i thought you were gonna
2: say that i I was literally
1: like what the hell (laughs) that's absolutely insane it's like charlie sheen running for a cab yeah and he's and he's that is right now the reason i think to be fair charlie sheen was in ferris Bueller is because his brother is emilio estevez who was in um the breakfast club obviously and i think the reason then that charlie sheen probably got the part was because uh, obviously he'd worked with his brother and was like oh i'll try your brother into ferris Bueller's day Off."
2: just just to cut in real quick you know him um, in pretty and pink uh, John, just talking about John Cryer. John Cryer.
1: John Cryer. <laughs> Alan a...
2: from Two and a Half Men. Half men. Who, D- two and a Half Men. Extended make, universe <laughs> makes <laughs> like, multiple, multiple jokes about him about looking, looking like Matthew like Broderick. Like Matthew Broderick in, uh, two, and in two and a Half Men. <laughs> and and a half men. <laughs> <laughs> in Pretty <laughs> in Pink, he fucking that. is Matthew Broderick. He literally is. Yeah. I've got I've
1: really got a random fact here just about John Cryer. I'm just going off the point, but did you know that he was essentially cast as chandler and friends
0: oh god he, Stop. he yeah that john cryer was, thing was fucking like christ he, was, he wasn't
1: he was literally like just about had the part but he had to he had to be back for a callback um uh, but he was in london at the time and he missed it and it went to matthew perry instead can you imagine if john cryer was chandler and friends
2: can you imagine missing that audition <laughs>
1: Oh and seeing how fucking successful friends went on to be. Yeah. Like, oh, Multi millionaires, yeah. a million, to be fair,
2: a million an episode. He, he, he made a lot, of money, of, of, made a lot man, of money out of he made a lot of
1: money out of two and a half, half. half men, so I mean all's, all's well that ends well, but I'd I say mean, he has yeah, flashbacks
0: so. like Leonardo DiCaprio does in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where he like yeah, imagines like, imagining, himself as a like, hey, role Chandler
1: Could I could I be any more John Cryer? But um yeah, let's 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 sorry, let's go back into the Breakfast Club a bit more because this is uh, a <gasps> must-watch. It's for a must everyone. watch. You have everyone. to see it. I feel yeah. like every sixteen year old needs
0: to fucking watch this film.
2: Just before we like move on straight away, I think that like playing Trains and automobiles and like sixteen candles, you can really see how he like developed his entire like new genre, new style of film after making both of these films and like these differing styles of comedy. And how he like combined them into making this kind of like emotional, emotional comedy, this kind of like yeah. dramed, teen comedy. And uh, the Breakfast Club is like the perfect place to go from here, and it? it's just the most like amazing kind of genre defining piece. Yeah, like I mean, all it is epic. is it's
1: five teens, and you you know, and what's amazing about it as well is I kind of feel bad that loads of the actors didn't really go on, a lot of their careers didn't really take off because they were so excellent i think that probably stands to john hughes's you know his material the script is rock solid and obviously his direction helped bring it all out in them but you had you know um as i'd mentioned earlier molly ringwald and yeah. um what's his name anthony michael hall but you also had emilio estevez charlie sheen's and um, half brother martin sheen's son um, and judd nelson. nelson he's excellent i loved him in this he his career Whoa! It took a nose down. Well, he he um, made
2: he made this film to be fair to. He him. did, um, he
1: did, and uh, Ali Sheedy as well as Allison in it, and uh, it, it you know it, it's literally just sticking four teenage, five teenagers in detention together, and all they do is just talk. And you know what's great about it is you know is it captured. Which, you know, 21 Jump Street made fun of, but, like, that it doesn't really exist anymore. But it very much existed in the 80s. You had your jocks. You had your nerds. You had the the, the kid from a broken family. You had yeah. Ali Sheedy, who's, like, a precursor to the goth thing. She's kind of very, a goth, kind Very, very pre-goth, girl. yeah. No, and, she is, uh, and then she? Molly Ringwald's the, the popular good-looking girl. And what's good about it is they're all in the same year, but they don't know anything about each other. And they all of a sudden have to get to know each other in the space of, you know, eight hours in detention together. And, you know, I, I kind of liked it as well as because it's set, you know, from the start, you kind of start putting people together in your head. So you're like, oh, you know, uh, Emilio Estevez's character is, you know, going to fancy Molly Ringwald because they sit beside each other. And then, you know, like Ali Sheedy sits on her own. And then like, but it actually mixes, mix and matches them up a bit towards the end. And like, I mean, all it is, is essentially is dialogue. I mean there's, there's yeah. not There's a few there, There's a few This is things. wild
2: I'm just looking at the IMDb list here now The casting And there's 13 people In this entire film In the and entire And most of them film. are off camera Jesus <laughs> 13 crazy, people in the shit. entire And it, this well, is actually um, a funny Funny This is the first uh, piece of trivia That comes up on IMDb I thought it was very funny Because like I could see this so well That Judd Nelson Actually stayed in character Off camera Bullying Molly Ringwald <laughs> And John Hughes John Hughes nearly fired him for it. <laughs> oh my god fucking hell. <laughs> which is very funny isn't it like you can see him doing that off camera
1: like, people staying out, in character like off camera Marvel. is
0: either like really good and cool or just like so fuck douchey. Off. oh you're just such a yes. douche fuck exactly. off yeah. like
1: such an apparently asshole.
2: jodie foster jodie foster was like i'm never fucking working with anthony hopkins ever again <laughs> <laughs> he stayed in character the whole time and like she was well, convinced um, yeah was it's the same her. as
1: him. Um, It was the same as uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. He wrote to Joseph Gordon-Levitt after um, Lincoln, because Lincoln was was distant from his son in real life, so he obviously was distant from him you know making the film and he wrote him a letter and was like hey man you seem like a really cool guy sorry if i was a bit of a dick during the movie like like That's
0: fucking give class. me a
1: break you didn't ha- why are you being a dick to him like yeah exactly like i mean i think it was cool that he acknowledged it but like why was he being a dick to him on set oh well like, apparently if he yeah. didn't call him
0: like, mr lincoln he was fucking going mental oh
1: yeah he he made he made spielberg wear a suit on set which was hilarious like steven spielberg loves his jeans and a jumper like
0: yeah, yeah. but um
1: I thought. Sorry, like, I, to, I, I hate of...
2: biopics. Like, just to throw that in there, real quick. Uh, uh, biopic very is fair. definitely uh, unless it's yeah. def- depending on how isolated the story is. But biopics about like historical figures. Oh, they're, they're so pen, boring. Yes. They're What's so dull. I don't And yeah.
0: it's just like. Uh, Darkest Hour Darkest Hour yeah Darkest Fuckin'. Hour Churchill uh, Not Churchill Jane, yeah. Churchill. Churchill sorry and it's just like oh just give me the fucking give me the fucking spitfires and all a <laughs> fuck like yeah. yeah this is the part of the war that I don't want to yeah, see it's like oh <laughs> <You> no <know? laughs> the real war was in the like the fucking politics no it fucking wasn't like yeah yeah um, like it really wasn't <laughs> like the amount millions like, of l- people died ni- <laughs> like go watch 1917 and then go watch Darkest yeah. Hour and tell me which is the better film yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, that Breakfast. that's completely fair. But anyway, back to and um,
1: but sorry, back to the Breakfast Club as well. What, I, what one thing I loved about it was that, that you can tell the the script had a had a very perfect structure, and that the the biggest thing about the Breakfast Club is that you find out individually how they all landed in detention, and how they landed in detention tells you so much about their character because you've gone on that journey with the characters, and then when you find out why they're in detention, it's like oh that makes sense you know what i mean like it, it all yeah. slowly adds up in your in your head and another thing as well is so you know you, you would think that's boring it's not it's really engaging from start to finish it's funny um you know it hits you like a ton of bricks at times but also what i love is they had that little kind of subplot with the principal um played by paul gleason and they uh, had, the had the a janitor. villain they had like yeah they but had they, like yeah. some. Uh, and and you get to see you know you get a little bit of a glimpse into his thought process and the janitor's yeah. thought process and they're what's great about it is they're the adults in the room but they're you know they they're no more they're no more grown up than than the teenagers in the film yeah. do you know what I mean like they're, it they're is, just yeah, as kind yeah. of. And that's kind, kind of like of t- what
2: unifies them in the film as well, having that kind of figurehead, and like also having like the adults that are just just as lost as these teenagers, just as lost
1: as the teenagers, exactly. Yeah, exactly
2: and I mean right. that's why that's why it spoke to such a generation, isn't it? Because it really did express how kind of I saw an interview with John Hughes and Kevin Bacon actually, and John Hughes basically said that the way I write these films. Is I think back to when I was a teenager, and I was, if for all intents and purposes, an adult. I was just responsible for myself. I had I had to uh, things to take care of. I had yeah, things look after to, things to do. Yeah. But I was still being asked every day, every night, what time I was going to be home for dinner. And I was yeah, I told I went to go to bed. That's such a really great way. You you can really see that, isn't it? Like you can you you can truly see like how he kind of formed his films around this. And he also said that like another big influence is that uh, one of the that like when he was growing up in school, uh, the popular kids were kind of like separated between like wealth and like being poor. But there was a kid who uh, there was a girl who was like on the same side of the tracks. And then she became good looking and was like immediately popularized. And you can definitely yeah. see how like that is. Well, that's that just... yeah,
1: that's a huge part of his films. actually. A huge that part is of a...
2: And a huge part of normal people, by the way, which I I won't, I won't go into. But that's another reason why I didn't like it was that yeah, was way too yeah. good looking not to be popular.
1: Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like, Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that that became a John Hughes did things in his films that then became tropes. Especially in the 80s. So, like, that, that, you know, kind of nerdy girl who became popular. Say Anything was, like, say anything was like right after say, this as well. Exactly, yeah. You know what I mean? You, ha- you know, and it still, it still went on into the 90s as well. And I, it, I don't think it happens as much now because, you know... It, as I say, these films are dated in it's their very,
2: own way. Very over, very overdone as well, though. At the same time, overdone. It's, not... it's been done exactly like nearly yeah. every
1: every second fucking rom com. No, did it. no
2: one overly wants
0: to hear the story of the good looking girl and the and the jock anymore. Like no one really cares. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. If you look at like, films mean, like Lady Bird, they're like completely shits on that whole thing because it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
2: exactly. that's true. Or Perks of Being a Wallflower is like the best. Example yeah. Of it. You you want to hear about the nerdy geeky kid? about yeah. Like all these. Yeah. I think exactly. I think we, yeah. we've come <laughs> away
0: from kind of like. This kind, that that like this kind of like John Hughes's kind of style, where it's like, oh, like the good-looking girl or whatever, and like we we've now fallen in love with like the nerds and everything.
1: Well, well, yeah, that was no, going to bring me to a point S. that I. Th- <laughs> <laughs> but, but I was going. That was going to bring me on to my to another point that I was going to make. Jack was that the John Hughes films as well are kind of a little bit of a rose-tinted look at at. at Teen life and a little bit of a uh, kind of a, it kind of has this kind of like naive wonderland world of you know, kind of teen life. And you know, my biggest problem is sneaking movies out for Tumblr users, things like... like that. A little bit like, do you know what I mean? But a little bit like, you know, these are the biggest problems that teens have, and you know, and obviously. You know, they're sent around middle class teens, you know, who tend to have quite rich parents and they live in, you know, I mean, Ferris Bueller lives in fucking New York. Like his parents are absolutely. Minty. Chicago even. But it's, you know, or Chicago. Yeah. Sorry. But like, you know, it's, it's, they're like, oh, I'm sneaking out of my parents and oh, my, my mom doesn't get me. And i like, that's, that's great. That's, you know, that's all part of it. That's all part of the, the draw to the John Hughes movie. But I think that kind of thing doesn't really resonate with people now anymore but that doesn't mean you can't watch the John Hughes films and, and because it's well, been overdone. I think I think overdone. that's
2: a I think I I think that's like a, a slight not like a, a slight bit unfair on John Hughes because I think that John Hughes like whole idea behind these films is that it is kind of a satire and like a caricature of how these teens act as well as kind of giving them a voice, you know, at the same time. Yeah, it's I mean that's a because like, he wasn't from a very rich background himself. He does show very much in these films that like how trivial all of these ideas are. But at the same time, like this is how teens feel. Like this is exactly how they feel, even yeah. I, no matter how ridiculous they are, you know. And I don't and think, I think that people.
1: It kind of lends that teens aren't taking ser- taken seriously, and then John Hughes obviously showed that you you, you should take teens seriously. They do have they have. The same fears and worries that that. yeah because have. like yeah
2: people's problems are as big as themselves you know i mean yeah that's, like a good point. Oh, no. that's a good point but like and i feel like that's very much like the style of john hughes's john hughes thing like cameron for instance we'll, we'll be getting on to cameron for instance well in ferris uh, in ferris bueller but like he his problems are all based around kind of how wealthy he is
1: yeah you know
2: but like that doesn't no, take right. away from how like you're rooting for Cameron to kind of overcome his problems
1: overcome it yeah hundred percent
2: and I think that's kind of the charm of a John News films that he does take all of these like very privileged rich kids and usually rich white kids and well like no I think like completely rich white kids yeah. and he, he makes you empathize with their absolutely ridiculous minuscule issues
0: yeah it's because yes. they yeah add, it's they, very because
2: fair. to the character they mean everything and I think I really think that's where like his filmmaking does it does cross that barrier from like comedy to real like masterful filmmaking
1: yeah yeah and i mean like the thing okay so let's get into ferris bueller then because this is like i feel like this is probably his most widely known one even yeah it's between this and the breakfast club this is my
2: this is my favorite one
1: And, and and you know what it's i can see why it is because it was my favorite for a long time but well, I think The Breakfast Club just edges out for me. But it's just about you know Ferris Bueller played by Matthew Ro- Broderick and you know he's a bit of a chancer. Uh, he's kind of the all-American kid. He's kind of that Marty McFly kind of you know yeah, likable yeah. all-American. Kid. Very like, Marty like, McFly. Bit a bit, bit of a chancer. You know, bit of a you know he kind of tries things here. And he decides a, to just a take the tail. Confident, I
0: like,
2: Well, no, no, he's a a, a very brashly, like, putting out, like, one of the best films ever, in my opinion. Yeah, no, sorry, yeah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't
1: shit on that. Like, I mean, he's a confident young teenager, happy-go-lucky.
2: At face value, this film is about Ferris Bueller, but what I think that, that makes this film such, like, a step above the rest, like, a cut above the rest, is the protagonist is not the title character, it is Cameron. And this it's is what Cameron, I was gonna yeah. say earlier. Because Ferris Bueller, if for all intents and purposes, is self actualized. He is yeah, literally he like he's as good a person as he can possibly be. Yeah, he fair. has yeah, he, everything he, going on. He doesn't
1: from... he doesn't have an arc, he he, yeah. you know, he doesn't have a he his character doesn't change and Yeah, Cameron whole...
2: Cameron is the one with the trials and tribulations to face. Cameron is yeah, the one I love Cameron, out of a man. shell. I
1: fucking and, love Cameron. Uh,
2: Ferris is just kinda of like a vessel in which Cameron can use t- to g- overcome his issues, and Ferris is rooting yeah. for him in that sense. But it is cool yeah. that like the POV character isn't the main character in this film and neither is the title character. Yeah, it he's kinda like, like the
0: narrator. Yeah, he's yeah. kind of
2: the narrator for in a like yeah. an existing narrator. And he does break the fourth wall, so that's a perfect way to put it, isn't it? He's he's an on screen narrator.
0: Yeah. Also, he's very well, that I
1: doesn't, say, didn't even exist. Uh, just, just about the the breaking the fourth wall thing, uh, you know he it works so well in this movie and it, like it's perfect for it. But uh, you can tell that John Hughes kind of wanted to play around with that in his other films because in Sixteen Candles, um, Michael, what was his What's his name? Anthony Michael Hall? What's his name? The nerdy. Yeah, guy. he he turns he, around like he, right he before he like breaks. He briefly breaks the fourth wall in a very rapey situation. In a very
2: in like right before domestic like sexual abuse yeah, 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 and i feel yeah, like it, it, i feel like is that like how john hughes sees like all sexual abuse like a rapist right before he rapes someone turns like, records maybe, scratch. like,
0: turns to, like the imaginary camera here? that's it's a pretty like... crazy story <laughs> it well let across. me tell you
1: <laughs> yeah like that's what it comes across like you're, you're like, probably and, wondering uh, how a good a good guy like me ended like up me, in a yeah. pretty dark situation like this
2: yeah, but, but, um, but no, he but definitely. He, he, I,
1: and even in the dialogue in 16 candles molly ringwald like just narrates her life in it but not, not to the camera just to herself she's like hey it's my 16th birthday and nobody remembered like you yeah. wouldn't say that oh, out loud hello. You know what I mean? like, hello yeah. <laughs> so it works. So, he obviously... <laughs> yeah. it works so he obviously but it works then in ferris bueller they made he made the conscious decision ferris bueller's gonna talk to the camera in this film and he's gonna break the fourth wall all the time and it's it's great it works so so perfectly but it's just essentially about them taking the opportunity to skip school one day and just mess around in the city but what is kind of good about it is it's that kind of idyllic kind of that it kind of captures that sense of just towards the end of your teens and going into adulthood where it's like the op- sorry the optimism of of being a young yeah. young man and like they go out on this day out and they just kind of figure oh, we can do whatever we want. We can, we can be whoever we want to be that kind of thing. And yeah, what as you say, while it's lots in if, these, these, these comedic, these comedic situations, like, you know, through the whole thing, they're, they're dodging the principal. They go to the same restaurant as Ferris's dad, who's on a that's business. Ferris's dad. Eating. Yeah. He's trying to um, miss that you know, too. Uh, They, they, he ends up in the, in the parade, which is like the iconic scene where they, they they're in the big parade and he sings twist and shout by the Beatles. Um, and there's all these kind of comedic parts of the story that are slotted in. But as you say, Ternan, you have this underlying arc about Cameron, you know, this this teenager who's... Yeah, who's facing the rest of his life
2: movie. and he, he has no idea where to go with it. Where to go, and, yeah. And was... I think I think you're a bit spot on Ian with the whole idea of Ferris Bueller. It's kind of like that whole, kind of like you're daydreaming as a, child, like a teen about who you'd rather be. Because I think it who doesn't you, matter yeah. if it doesn't overly matter who you are I think some, everyone did that at some stage or another and I think that this film it does kind of show that perspective of like when Cameron's looking at Ferris and even with Ferris's girlfriend they he is just sitting there just wishing throughout the entire film that he was Ferris until the end that when, he, was Ferris, when he does yeah. kind of like become his own person and he does kind of like accept that he has to face his relationship with his dad with and his dad I, yeah yeah it is far more nuanced, in my opinion, like, this whole idea of... The whole idea of Ferris Bueller and the whole, like, way he went about, like, showing these issues than the likes of, obviously, Sixteen Candles and, like, and like the likes of Pretty in Pink and stuff like that. But also, I, I think it edges out The Breakfast Club because it's, it's slightly more subtle. And, like, you can accept Ferris Bueller at a face value much more as just, like, this is a comedy film, this is to make you laugh, this is, like, a cool guy, but, like under it all, there's so much more to it. There's so much more intricacies. Whereas I think that Breakfast Club is very much, this is what it is. This is teens dealing with their issues. You know, that that's why... Yeah, I kind of and edgy, uh, yeah, yeah and, uh,
1: you're right. Because like, cause y- yeah, it's like the Breakfast Club is like, it's very grounded. And it, it's a little, as you say, it's a little bit on the nose because they're just these teens blatantly talking about their problems. Whereas Ferris Bueller is like, you go you go on that journey with Cameron, and you know you don't necessarily know you know what his what his problem is, and then it kind of is developed. And you know, as you say, you're rooting for Cameron to. And his yeah. biggest his biggest problem is just that you know, like Ferris Bueller's whole thing is that he's afraid that he's kind of his philosophy is you know life's gonna pass you by, and he kind of sees Cameron as he's missing out on life and all these these beautiful things. Another problem I have with Ferris Bueller is, and I think. This is obviously to do with the marketing, but it's kind of sold as like a just a, your standard slacker comedy movie, and it's yeah, just not yeah, that it's at just all. so much yeah, more so, than that as well. It's like. so much more than that. It's so so much more than that. Well, even on
2: even on that, like the whole like your life's passing your I I think that Cameron's such a good representation in this film to like what John Hughes was getting at is because Cameron's issues is just and Cameron's existence is just so secondary to Ferris and like behind to that Ferris, high school yeah, facade yeah. and behind that high school like identity is Cameron like a struggling person who has no idea where he's going to go with his life yeah. and I feel like Ferris doesn't overly know where he's going to go with his life but it's not mentioned yeah it's exactly kind of like yeah. Whole but like, it's not mentioned like forget it attitude yeah
1: yeah and Ferris doesn't want to worry about it yeah like Ferris is like you know you know you need to stop worrying about tomorrow and just enjoy today and that's his whole kind of thing enjoy, enjoy today off and like that's evident when they take Cameron's dad's car. He's like don't don't worry about it. We'll worry about it later. Like you know what I mean. And it's, and you know it's the dichotomy of the two. You know, laid back Ferris Bueller, and then you know anxious Cameron. And then also yeah. they have that that weird subplot with his sister, who's like <laughs> who's so the jealous sister, yeah. This, that, that Ferris gets away with everything. Which is like the original what, Candace from and Yeah, food. yeah exactly. <laughs> and you know but, what? Like that's been overdone, but like I kind of love that as well because it's a little bit like they didn't develop it loads, but it was just a bit like it I acknowledges it's fun. That, that. Yeah, it's well, even even the, the
2: principal as a subplot was also yeah. an excellent part to have. In yeah, it. yeah, he it was is, so like, dedicated the to over, like I over, it over I this kid. It like Jeff, he just Jeff, went you know to that actually Ma- matthew broderick and jennifer gray they actually went on to get married after this which i didn't know up until up until recently when we said oh. we were going to do john hughes yeah and they got divorced after even though they played yeah, siblings yeah. in the films and actually yeah. this is another cool fact ferris's parents were and um, went on to get married also and they no way. Got divorced too yeah oh, yeah, oh my god that too. is so random that's hilarious and my final fact, just to show how impressive John Hughes is, is this film was written in six days. Wow! The entirety of Ferris Bueller's Day Off was written in six days. So, if that anyone is an aspiring amazing. writer out there, if anyone is an aspiring writer out there, I hope that makes you feel shit about yourself.
3: Another thing it I want to really talk about right. real
2: quick, just not, I don't want to move on or anything, but um. Uh, you, you know the way I was saying that The Library of Congress accepted Both Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off As culturally and aesthetically significant
1: Yeah.
2: One of the biggest issues That I have with the Academy Awards Is that neither of these films were nominated But it's considered part of American culture Both yeah, of these films I, know. I,
1: like, I, know. Well, I is, see why they're the not Awards but like, over.
0: Well, yeah. well the It's Oscars, funny because John like, Hughes Does anyone care about the Oscars anymore? No, yeah well that's a good did. point they did though that's yeah it. they did they did <laughs> well, very true I, I,
1: but, but this is the thing like John Hughes I think we, we've come to the conclusion that he is a, a legendary filmmaker he's an iconic filmmaker his name is on so many important pieces of cinema and yet I don't feel he gets the same recognition maybe that was you know down to the fact that you know he, he was a very private person and he didn't do a lot of interviews and that kind of thing so it, it, it could be down to that too but, you gotta you know,
0: play their game, if, if yeah, you want I, to I, fucking I, win an Oscar. Leo DiCaprio uh, and, played uh, it, and it took him fifteen but, years.
1: Also, I think the, the Academy, the, the Academy would shudder at the idea, especially at the time of giving a teen movie, yeah, a, yeah. Um, a, an Oscar. Do you know what I mean? Because they that's... they didn't want to acknowledge that it's you know a a. It's a grown up fucking movie. They're grown up fucking films. But it was like, I think people saw John Hughes films. Like, oh, oh, teenagers like those films. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's
2: something that, like, we, like, uh, as people who, like, think that our film opinion is good enough to start a podcast about it. uh, (laughs) That's that's something how we should, like, enunciate the fact that, like, films don't need to be nominated for awards. They don't need to be. No, they don't need that recognition. They don't don't need the recognition to be good films. And everyone should keep an eye out for that because the Oscars is so. Driven by their own agenda, by their own like political hashed out agendas, and it's why films that are seen by an entire continent as culturally significant don't get nominated by these elitist twats in yeah, the fucking exactly. academy. You like, know, yeah. what I mean, like, yeah. like, and I do, I do kind of like mourn for John Hughes quite a bit, and the fact that like. You th- you look at a Scorsese film, you think Scorsese before you think of the film title. You look at a Tarantino film, you yeah. think Tarantino, and you just don't get that with John Hughes. And I, no, I, I think agree. That yeah, of, there is it. definitely a mix of his private I, life I, and then. I, like well, his... I think
0: one of the main things to the, like discuss with John Hughes is that eventually everyone hates like the founder of something. So like, I feel like in sixty years they'll be looking back on his films like we kind of look back on Sixteen Candles and be like. These are crap. Like everyone, you know, like uh, you see the lot with like popular culture and everything. Like it, because they were the first to do it, they're considered bad. Yeah, the, in the future, the last
1: to be Yeah, that that's a that's a good point. I mean, yeah, because just because you're a trailblazer of a genre doesn't necessarily mean that the the films are good. But like I, you know, we said Sixteen Candles was dated. I think the problem with John Hughes is as well as as I said, he had a checkered career and like. I think another problem is John Hughes's direction style isn't that unique. And, you know, because you look at Home Alone, he could have directed that, but no, it was Chris Columbus. And Chris Columbus, um, you know, it was the, he did the first two Harry Potter movies. But he was very much those kind of 80s films, yeah. and those kind of 80s family-friendly films. And he, he was seemingly same... more of
2: a writer, just like as kind well, of a general concept. It's, it yeah, seemed anyway.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that... You know, if you if these things were plays, I'm glad they're films. But if they were plays or books, you know, I th- still think they'd be very, very popular. But I maybe that's why he doesn't go down as, as such a such a good filmmaker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because even yeah. though I think he Although- was. I, th- I believe that, he yeah, was that a very being good said
2: F- Ferris hopping the fences in the final scene is iconic that's like yeah I th- yeah. Film love that but, it's so good I know I, I completely get what you're saying I, I do think that is kind of like a writer taking on the role of directing more so than yeah. a director taking and, on the role and, of and writing and you know what
1: and that was probably down to just him not wanting someone messing up the source material because that, yeah, that did happen exactly, with his yeah. other movies do you know what I mean and like he, he took up that um he took up a pseudonym for a, a good few movies and uh, what was the name of the, the pseudonym he took, um, ah oh, it's on a few things, uh, Edmund Dantes, um, and, you know, they credit him as Edmund Dantes in, like, a lot of the later Beethoven films, because he did, he, he, I, now, this is before he died, but he said he didn't want his name on them, Dribba Taylor, funny enough, he has the writing credit on that, that's Edmund Dantes, and they kind of do it as a rule of thumb now with John Hughes, that if it's a, it's a, product of his and it's going to be vastly different to his original idea then it just goes as, as edmund dantes but another thing was as well that he he also wrote fucking movies like baby's day out and like that's yeah. fucking terrible but
2: Cur- like curly shit. yeah has, and like he, he didn't he also has an them. upcoming project just by just to throw that out there he died, he died like 2000 and, he died <laughs> 2009. in 2009 <laughs> and he has an upcoming project called The Grisbees Go Broke. But I mean, that just shows, I think that he wrote a lot of quantity and a lot of quality came out of it. So, I mean, yeah, we can, yeah. We can kind of look back and say, like, th- thank God he, he wrote as much as he did because some Iconic films came out of it, but then you also get like Beethoven's Christmas Adventures. Yeah, yeah, and, and like, like, or, or like like the one I'm looking at right now, Beethoven's Treasure Trail, and oh Beethoven like... with like a pirate hat on, an eye an eye and a gold bone in his mouth.
1: <laughs> but th- this is the thing, like you know, and like I, I consider those kind of family movies like like I cannot fucking stand them, and I get them. Like I mean, what, what you see? What kills me about family movies like that is because there's family friendly movies that are fucking good and they're not fucking terrible but like there is a lot of terrible fucking family movies and I get it, they're family movies but I don't like that, I don't, I would never like someone to think that John Hughes I think he was able to write those films but I'd say he did a lot of it for kind of paychecks I mean I don't think he sat there and was like oh baby's day out this is going to be my my excellent movie I'm sure he yeah. was able to write a script that he could sell and make money for like he didn't direct it so he clearly didn't care that much about it but then when you have something like The Breakfast Club Ferris Bueller's Day Off where he wrote and directed and even even Planes, Trains and Automobiles which is you know more of a wacky comedy well yeah um, the,
2: the things about like his the films that he wrote and directed you can see very much like the the, the passion like step it, up the, the, the step the, yeah. up i mean i mean he has what eight that he directed just age, and, yeah. and i think like five of them are classics you know so yeah. it's it's a like, bit yeah. i mean like even tarantino has his bad films from time, to time oh so every, I mean,
1: every director does you know what i mean every director yeah. has their he did get
2: progressively know? worse as, as the years went on though so i mean yeah like, you hate he, to see he, that you do hate to but see he that. he was a genre-defined director and he was like, an, uh, he was a trailblazer, as you said, for for this kind of teen kind of melodrama, yeah. on top of the comedy basis. And like, yeah. I do think I stand by the fact that I feel like a, quite a lot of films, both like comedy based and even like the likes of Judd Apatow, would have stemmed from his from, like original seeds being planted in the film industry.
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
2: So, so I think it was well worth talking about him anyway. I mean, going yeah, I'm and, glad, like, and I'm and I'm
1: glad we I'm glad we kind of got into into the kind of themes of the films a bit more because you know i've talked to people about those movies in the past but it, the conversation never really goes beyond that's a great movie i really enjoyed that you know what i mean like very you true because of, they are just such good films they're just great they're just great watches like um and as you say i think that you know the fact that they they're in a, the, the american congress library as you know culturally significant they are extremely culturally significant in the filmmaking world. As you say, It's it, their influence has trickled down. And and I, I firmly believe it's they still influence films being made today. And, you know, even that point you made about Judd Apatow and stuff, you know, it's super bad and stuff can... You can trace those kind of teen comedies, and it yeah, really was we, the we,
2: quintessential. We shit on we shit on Superbad, but I mean, I mean, we shit on Sixteen Candles, but I don't think that films like Superbad would truly exist without, without Sixteen Candles. Of 16 yeah, definitely,
1: hundred percent, definitely.
2: Or, definitely. or it would be a more like raw form of Superbad. I mean, yeah. I, all of these things happen for a reason, and like, it is it, like, look, I don't completely agree with going back into like the very start of cinema and still claiming that something that like did something first was the best. But is still the best because it did it first. No, not at all. But no, I mean, that's not it, the point. It, yeah, I, I, I'm glad that the likes of Sixteen Candles and like uh, that they happened in order for him to go on and make the likes of Breakfast Club yeah. and Well, that's that, that, exactly, and that
1: that's how art works. You know what I mean? It's not that you, it's not that something was the first; it was the best. But it is really interesting to go back and take and, and you see know, where it of, started. And yeah. See where it started, yeah, and consume that and go, oh, like, and then you can start putting the pieces together when you watch films later on in life go, oh I can I can see where that came from and that came from so yeah John Hughes yeah. Um, if you haven't watched John Hughes' movies where the hell have you fucking yeah, been yeah fucking get <laughs> on them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. three,
2: three of the ones we talked about today are on Netflix we recommended them last yeah, I week yeah highly recommend them yeah yeah. so go watch them I mean I, I feel like people will have definitely seen Ferris and I like hope Slumber, so and I, and I feel like they'll, they'll like to hear us talk about it but like it, it's good to also like go back watch Planes, Trains and Automobiles and See some of the classics like Steve Martin and John Candy, and then like obviously sixteen candles. You can have a good laugh at how just ridiculously racist yeah. and sexual it is. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still an enjoyable film as well. And that like yeah. that like scene at the end where they're like blowing out the candles. I mean that's yeah, that's I mean it's great. That's, that, great that, too. That, that, that,
0: that's part of pop culture forever. That's yeah, as big exactly. as like saying yeah. That's a big fucking yeah. iconic. That's a big fucking iconic scene. Seeing, yeah. It's better than fucking Amelia Clark being like, "No, you who do you think gave me the heart or whatever?" Oh. <laughs> I'm just a figment of your imagination. Jesus. Speaking of Amelia Clark, gave me the heart? Speaking of Amelia Clark, uh, we have a very exciting episode coming up next week because uh we are debating two of the biggest TV shows of the last two decades, and whether W- really wishful one had the better ending, uh, so I'm I'm take I'm on Team Soprano and Tiernan is on Team Game of Thrones. So yeah, it should but be. Ian's very gonna mediate. I'm, I'm gonna be. Mediate. Mediate.
2: Sure, we, sure we have a couple of. It's gonna be a fight now. I believe it's gonna be in person, so we're gonna sort out like a way to do the podcast Social in person for the first time. Yeah, yeah, for the first time in, yeah. yeah, f- in weeks. So we're excited for that as well, just for a bit of <laughs> company. Yeah, just yeah. for a bit of human <laughs> contact. <laughs> but me, me, and Ian will also be discussing whether Manchester by the Sea it should be as critically acclaimed as it is. And I believe we're also just as a group gonna talk about the U.S. and the English Office. So. That'll be fun y- as well. You won't yeah. want to miss it,
1: guys. I'm sure this. We're, gonna, we're sure having i f- I'm sure night. it's going to be. I'm sure <laughs> it's going to be very civil, and it's going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're yeah, doing we're proper debate style.
0: The- There's no point talking over each other. Yeah. It's.
2: Yeah. It's. Wait, I'm. I'm going to drink during it. I'm going to get really, really <laughs> abusive. <laughs> <laughs> I I literally have an essay
0: written on the fucking sopranos ending right now.
2: I can't wait to hear your essay and fucking shit on it with three <laughs> lines. You know, you don't even know my three lines I'm coming at you with. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um so we'll, we'll start back up next week with our next yeah, topic. No yeah right. we'll, we'll leave it there
1: far. and we we hope you enjoyed us talking about John Hughes. Yeah,
0: and as per if you could please uh, check out our Instagram at the full feature. Uh we've been doing a lot of work on that at the moment, so we're working on the uh, whole new content calendar um so yeah please give us a follow please give us a review on apple podcasts and the follow on spotify podcasts and of course guys if you have any um, thing that you want us to cover in terms of movie news or any movies or directors that you want just please dm us and we'll be happy to do it